13 seconds, 14 seconds, 15 seconds. Three seconds, two seconds. All right, <laughs> let's do this. Did you just count backwards? I, who knows? <laughs> I, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't paying attention, and dare I, dare I go again. Here I go, here I go, here, here, here I go. <laughs> Was that salt and pepper? <laughs> What's my weakness, man? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I think that is. Yeah. Welcome to episode 227 of Catching Foxes. In this show, Luke and I discuss a follow-up onto our themes using three sweet Francis Chan quotes to get us going, which then leads us to the topic, which is kind of the main topic of suffering in the eyes of the Catholic Church, which concludes with a topic on the tooth fairy, uh, which makes sense. To me, this topic, suffering, not the tooth fairy, and evangelization is the most important thought I've had in at least a month. Special thanks to our friends over at CatholicSocial.media and Pints with Aquinas' beer-drinking, Bible-studying, Italian retreat for sponsoring this show. They're great, and you'll hear more about them later on. Enjoy the show. How are you? Oh, Luke. Luke, you know what I am? I am so tired. (laughs) I'm so tired. However, let me tell you how I am, and I, I think this is cool. So, number one, I am tired because I closed all my rings today. Do, do, do. You know what that means? Uh, if it's a fire thing, don't know, don't care. No, it's an Apple Watch thing. So you probably still don't know, don't care. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I went, um, so part of my themes is habits, right? So um, I, bought, uh, for, uh, I bought a theme journal. It's called the Theme, theme System from Cortex Brand. And I got it, and I don't know how to use it yet, so I got to figure that out. But. Um, theme habits. I have, uh, I took 90% of my apps and I threw them all in a bunch of folders and I pushed them onto the second page. And on my first page, it's streaks, which is a habit tracker, mm-hmm. Exodus 90, um, my activity rings, a journaling app. Cause I want to get into journaling, not every day, but often. And it's just stuff like that. So, um, I have been looking at these things and desperately trying to get all of the, um, habits thing going so i'm really tired from doing all of this uh walking running physical health annoying crap that all you healthy people do uh yeah i've been doing it like a crazy person so it's been going well uh there's a a recommendation on the patreon page patreon.com slash cf patreon.com slash cf i'd like the time to to, i'd like to take the time to talk to you about our 500 dollar level uh, if you give it $500 a month or our I love you more than Matt Frad level, here are some great things that you're going to get. If you're in your area, we'll have lunch with you. After one year of support, we will come to your hometown for dinner and drinks, and we'll play a board game, plus all previous rewards. I'm sorry, Gomer, so you're talking about habits on our <laughs> Patreon page. <laughs> Um, yes. On one of on uh, uh, one of the conversations in there, someone had recommended the book Atomic Habits, and yeah. I bought that book for Aaron because I heard about it on a podcast. I want to say the Art of Manliness way way back when, and I remember being yeah. very impressed um, with it. And in pure a millennial fashion, I never read it. So, uh, but I remember having a thought of, oh, this sounds really really good. So, so I read that book um, in conjunction with giving a talk on pornography. I wanted to understand how habits are formed. So there are two books um, that I got from totally like random sources. Um, 
Oh man, I can't remember that second book, but um, they're both on like habits, uh, habit making. And I have, um, let me see if I can just pull it up. Uh, the power of habit and atomic habits. Um, yeah. And the power of habit is really interesting because he breaks down, uh, similar to atomic habits, he breaks down like scientific research around like how to make a habit stick and why we need it in the whole reward center of the brain. And he said like, really, if you break it all down, the reason why we want habits is because it lets our brain power down. So the reason why when you drive to work every single day and you kind of do it mindlessly, and then the one day you drive to work, you have to do another thing and you just go right by it. Like I used to take my, my mm-hmm. son's daughter, Joey's daughter, Sammy home. And every single day they live one street before us. I would go right by their, <laughs> their street and go right home. Well, the whole point of it is like your habits are managed by the hippoca- hippocampus, hypothalamus, something, a thing in your brain. And the whole point is the rest of your brain kind of like shuts down or thinks about other things. So it's this huge energy saver. And the more habits you do, right. the more it yeah. actually f- frees your mind up to do other things. And so um, free in, your mind. Uh, That's me trying to impersonate Alan Rickman as, as uh, what do you call him? Uh, Snape or whatever. From Harry Potter, trying to th- okay, sorry. Yes. Go ahead. I'm this sorry. is great. This is this is great. This is great for us. <laughs> no, uh, but I was just listening to Atomic Habits, the author's interview on a um, a different show, and he was saying, you know, he called the law of marginal gains. Right? I don't have to be like this. Is what I think sucks about me and weight loss, and I, I know this like emotionally, like all this stuff. But my thing is like I do the right thing for a long period of time. And I don't see any results, so I am, I get discouraged. And, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing behind, like, Dave Ramsey's thing. Like, you pay off the smallest debt first, not the one with the highest interest rate, because you need a win. You need to see, like, you're actually doing something, and here's the results. And for him, it was, like, just marginal gains, just margin, just 1% better today at the habit. And so, for me, it's, like, I just have to physically walk outdoors, and it has to be outdoors for me. For 30 plus minutes. And I've done a thing. Now, I know that's not going to cause me to, you know, look like the Greek god that I have in my head of myself. Still with a crooked jaw, by the way. But the it's just that doing that one thing. And so by doing that. So it's funny because now we've added a level of competition because my wife is joining me. I bought her a Garmin Ooh. smartwatch. And her settings are a little bit higher than my settings um, for, like, achievements. So I'm trying to beat her settings, and she's trying to beat my. So she'll she works out at five o'clock in the morning, and she'll say, "Oh, uh, how many steps do you have today? The four thousand, like I do? Oh, that's right, you just got out of bed. That's funny." And I'm like, "Shut up! <laughs> Give me that butter. <laughs> Let me be butter." <laughs> so I don't know. It, it, it is uh, so like the habits that I'm doing is like when my watch tells me it's time to stand, I stand, and I realize like. I was having like this pain in my lower back stuff and it's still there, but it's not nearly as bad as it was. And I'm just like, okay, stand up and go walk. And so every day at lunch, I go for a 20 minute walk. Um, and that's when I listen, I'll, I'll do the rosary as I walk around my church or I'll listen there you to go. a book or whatever. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go. That's great. What, that's great. What about you? How, what, what, how has commitments fleshed itself out? Cause it's a theme. It's not a goal. There's not set markers. It's just commitment. Don't put your pressure on me, Gormley. 
I won't. Um, no. I'm here to liberate you. It's been good. It's been very good. Uh, you know, um, what? It's been a week since since the last time that we that we talked. How have I uh, gotten into commitments? Um, or just like how have you thought about it? Not even like what have you done, sure. but like yeah, what yeah. are thoughts around it? Um, I it it's been a little. I can. I'm always the person who can kind of go overboard and so and or get overwhelmed with all of these no. different choices and have experienced death by paralysis, uh, which is great. So for me, it's just been okay. What are the things I really want to commit to? So I want to commit to one. It's just I really, really want to get back into into shape. And the biggest hurdle for me is are my are my eating habits. I've been doing a, a macro diet for about the past uh, week and a half or so. And it's been really, really good. And just saying, I'm committed to this. Um, and just trying to find different things, like like trying to. I'm trying to find areas that demand commitment and starting. And I've been asking myself, like, what does commitment to this actually like actually look like? And so, um, and that's been good. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with it with uh, it so far. It's been a lot of observing too, to be honest, and just uh, you know I I think that was on uh, that was on my mind for a bit today was uh, you know just how to how can I balance work and the podcast and this nonprofit idea I have for this thing totally unrelated and um and Aaron and a new baby and blah 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 and just okay like it's like what does you know all of that actually look like and how to um how do I can, how can I give each thing its due, and what maybe needs to go? And there's not anything; it's it's, it's more just these little side things that I always I want to do. Um, but no, it's, so it's good. It's good. Um, are you are you seeing anything in your life where you need to go easier on yourself when it comes to these kind of New Year's resolutiony type stuff? Like you have the tendency to go overboard. In this case, is it like I'm I'm here to establish commitments? You know, not I have to have a commitment today. Like if I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I think two things. One is to allow myself permission to fail and to be willing to suffer. So uh, there was if it's something that I'm really scared of, which usually when I'm scared, I'm scared because I want it to go. I mean, who, this, this is like, why do we get scared about things? We're scared about it failing. We're scared because we care about it. We're scared about um, what are about you know? So I'm 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 actually going to tie these two in together. So you shared with me a great up Francis Chan talk, and yeah. uh, it, surprise, it wasn't the one that was on the Eucharist that everyone decided to share, which was great. Yeah, but how uh, funny though that he had that. I'm a, I mean, and everyone, I must have got thirty people in all different parts of my life being like, "You got to watch this Francis Chan. It was just what you were saying in that episode. He is talking more about the Eucharist." And I'm like, "Yeah." Again, I'm not making any like grand statements. I'm just saying I some of the stuff I didn't know. I didn't know that for the first 1500 years of church history, everyone saw it as the literal body and blood of Christ. And it wasn't until 500 years ago that someone popularized a thought that it's just a symbol and nothing more. I didn't know that. Wow, well, that's something to consider. <laughs> and uh, he, um, although I'm a little bit worried about some of the Catholics that he's been hanging out with. Anywho, uh, there <laughs> is it's a whole other discussion. Uh, there was this, uh, he, um, 
he was talking about commitment and he was talking about the Christian church in China and some of the pillars of their church. There were two things that really hit me. I think there were five that he mentioned. I don't really call offhand what the other what the other three were, but they were very common. There were things that we would all go, oh, yeah, yeah, like we do that here. And then a couple months ago, I was back in China talking to one of the leaders of, of one of the networks, and um, he was explaining to me how he started to build a mega church, you know, and then the government shut him down again. And uh, so he went back to the house church thing, but he says what he, he loved was going back to their pillars, going back to what, what got them there. And he started to explain the five pillars to me. And I'm like nodding my head like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Okay. So like the first one, he, you know, I, I don't remember the order, but he, he talked about prayer. He goes, there was such a deep commitment to prayer. You know, we kind of lost that. He goes, once, you know, I just gathered all the people there. There was so much dependence on me, but we, we got back. You know, once we had to split up again, we, we got back to that commitment to prayer. He goes, we got back to the commitment to the word of God, where everyone studying the word of God, cherishing the word, you know, like, like loving this, obeying this book. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's us too. He goes, that, that third pillar was the preaching of the gospel, where everyone is called to preach the gospel. And they sound like, at first, the first like three or four, sound like things that you would hear. Yeah. On Anywhere a, that you, you know, core go. values of our yeah. non-denom. Yeah, we're going to pray, you know, and, and everything's I'm like that. And so um, so the one that really hit me was when they said expect miracles. Like they talk about the miracles that they have experienced. And, you know, way back when, when I was a sad little boy because someone broke up with me because I was an immature idiot, uh, I was your going teens, to. Your teens, your 20s, or your 30s? <laughs> Uh, let's go 20s, uh, early 20s. I was like 21, 22. I was talking with with my therapist, and she said something about, like, do you believe in miracles? And I was like, not really. And I never kind of got out of that, to be honest with you. I, I've never – it's this thing where I'm like, this is where I'm coming from. I choose to believe in miracles, but I don't see them. I don't expect them. I don't uh, – I have seen videos. You know, I, I had a friend who um, showed me this um, one video of him praying over a kid's leg getting healed, and you can almost, like, see the leg, like, it has grown in size, and I was like, holy crap, that I can't, I can't explain that. After the, I was like, I can't explain that. Like, that's just – that's yeah. insane to me. Uh, and, and that's awesome, you know, and praise God that that happened if, it, you know, it was a miracle. But I, I have these uh, – it's something that I desperately um, – like if I'm if I'm in in my heart of hearts, if I'm being honest, I never from that moment on I just don't see miracles as much, and so that's or, or it's not that I saw them before, but I don't I don't think about them. They're not on my mind. I'm not you know it's so it's uh, that's been a challenge for me. And the other one, which I think both tie into <laughs> commitment, yeah. and this was like, and I think this is where my brain's been at. Like when he said expect miracles, I wasn't expecting him to say that. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's great. Well, that's like, bold blah, blah, as hell. Blah. Yeah, it's, it's, right, it's amazing. Right. And then the next one, uh, I wasn't expecting either. Rejoice in suffering, right? That was yeah. it? Rejoice yeah. in suffering. And so and you have to understand, in the church out, when they, when, they talk about, when they talk about suffering, they mean like we were getting shot at. 
you know, yeah. or and out there in the church, they tend to for the church. What tends to happen is people are killed, people are um, tortured. But one thing that that will happen, I guess, is pretty common out there is you'll be getting chased and they'll shoot the gun into the air as if they're shooting at you. Yeah. Because the soldiers and it's to scare you who, to disperse yeah. you, but also like, eh. like I don't think they want to kill you. It's just they're being, full, yeah. you know. So, but this idea of that as a church, they rejoice in their sufferings, and and one of the things, one of the things that Francis Chan points out is goes if you look in the New Testament, it's in every book. It's in every book. It's all. It's it's all. It, they talk. They constantly talk about you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer and i think i avoid of suffering like it is uh the plague yeah and for me i that's a big reason why i find it hard to commit to things because i had just i want to avoid pain any way i can so if it's sleeping in if it's not engaging with people if it's not doing any of these things i don't want to have to suffer I would rather do anything else other than that. And so having to embrace that, I'm not at the point yet where I can like rejoice. I'm saying I'm at the point where I'm like, I have to be, am I willing? No, there are times when I am willing to suffer. That's the interesting part. It's uh, when you really, really care about something, I think it's easy to suffer. Yeah. You know, so if I'm putting on an event that I'm really excited about it, you know, which I don't really do anymore, but thank God I hate planning events. But <laughs> if oh, blah. I love souls. Okay, so you want to be an event planner for the rest of your life? What? No, no, no. no, no I no, want to no. work with people. So you want to be an event planner for the rest of your life? Yeah. So you want to set up chairs? What? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did not pay all this money to college to set up chairs. <laughs> Oh, Lord. And invoices on top of invoices. So, no, but um, the hard part. So I, I do think it's relatively easy to suffer when you're really invested in, in something and you really care about it. So I'm trying to think of a really of a good example. But I think, you know, like we all have those passion projects where we're willing to stay up all night. Um, I'm willing yeah. to suffer for this podcast. You know, I'm real tired. I would I'd love to go to bed, but we have to record tonight and i and i also know that when i start when i sit in this chair it's go time and i'm fine with it it takes a couple minutes and then i'm you know all ready to go the hard part is when it's first thing that you don't care about doing a thing that you don't want to do that you ha- that you have that you have to do or it, it it is monotonous or it's whatever and for me that's a suffering that that's kind of i'm suffering that i do not want to embrace that that's where commitment becomes really important because you choose to do it because it's the right thing to to do. And even if you don't really care one way or the other. Or it's true suffering and you're really you're just like, this is gonna be real hard. Yeah, and Dave Van Vickle said something to me that's right along those lines that like when he said it, I felt like, holy crap, you just unraveled the history of Christianity. Like, in, in a way that kind of shocked me. So he was talking with an order of nuns who are engaged in foreign missionary work, right? And these nuns are trained in the preaching the charisma, you know, pre-evangelization, all those stages, right? And they're in pure, this is, this is first culture, pre-creedal, non-monotheistic culture, right, that these nuns are in. So it's, it's pretty epic that they're there. 
And so he was talking with this nun, and I, I, she's from, I don't know, somewhere in Europe or Africa or something. And, and she was explaining to him that the sisters, if you look at the general instruction on catechesis, right, they're still at the pre-evangelization stage. Like, they're still, like, kind of overcoming some of the philosophical problems and stuff. And he said, wow, okay, okay, so this is great. Like, here's someone actually, here's someone actually, like, fulfilling the model. And then she said something that, like, he froze. She said, he said, how long have you been there? And she said, 27 years. And he looked at her. He looked at her, and he, at first, he went from, like, being utterly, like, impressed by this religious order, you know, literally evangelizing pagans, to he was disgusted, uh, almost. I, I might be overstating it. In fact, I probably am. That's good podcasting. Uh, but he said, he looked at her and he goes, you're still doing pre-evangelization? And she's like, why? And he goes, sister, it's time to become martyrs. Do you even believe in the gospel? And I was just so shocked. <laughs> number, number one, that he would say that. But, like, when he said that, that's what opened up to me the first, you know, 1800 years of the church, right? Like the old evangelization was done by men and women who were like, if I'm going to love these heathens into the kingdom, I have to expect suffering. And when Francis Chan said that, I was doing the dishes. My wife was taking a freaking massive time out, well-deserved. And all the kids were like running around. I had it on my um, iPad playing. And when he said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's just like Dave's comment. Like, I'm willing to preach the gospel and be uncomfortable. But when it ticks over uncomfortableness into actual suffering, well, and he just laid it on the line. I was like, that's that's how you advance the gospel. And the last thing I'm going to say is this guy who he served like 30, 25 years in prison. He converted to Catholicism. He converted 110 inmates to Catholicism. He's the godfather of like 85 men or something like that. Um, he told me the story that uh, he said, when you're going to evangelize men in prison, you have to say to yourself, I am willing to die right now to save this man's soul. And he said, one day I was almost beaten to death because a guy had converted. He was doing good. And then Holy he totally cow. did this backsliding thing. Yeah. He said he totally did this backsliding thing, and I went out, and I called him out in front of everyone on our block, and he punched me as hard as he could in the face. I Wait, dropped like was a... this guy, was he just a volunteer? No, he was an inmate. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. I yeah, he was an inmate. That. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, he gets, he gets knocked to the ground. He gets back up, and he's like, I'm not going anywhere, but you're being a, you know, whatever. And the guy hits him again, and then he falls to the ground, and he just starts kicking him over and over again in the head and the chest. And he was trying to kill him. And eventually he gets pulled off. The guy's hospitalized, put in a coma, like medically induced coma. Eventually he turns around. The guy comes and visits him and just is bawling. And he's like, you're right. Everything you said was right. Thank you for believing me. And he's like, I 100% <laughs> through like broken teeth. He's like, I 100% forgive you. Right? Like that, <laughs> like all these things. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like the LGBT community is not going to, who, who have abandoned or left or rejected or felt pushed away or chased away from Christianity, they're not going to come back because, you know, we have a really sick, uh, you know, <laughs> right, like 
plan to help immigrants, you know, when we're trying to out left the left in the USCCB and outright the right on, well, pretty much everywhere else in the Catholic blogosphere. You know, they're not going to convert. They're going to convert when someone is willing to die out of love for them. And I was like, oh, Francis Chan. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Dave, that takes such balls. Dave is such such a better man than the two of us combined. Combined and multiplied. Yeah. <laughs> and you talk about, but then you, then you talk about suffering, right? And so I finally got to talk to him for 10 minutes the other day. Yeah. And I'm like, Dave. Hey, do you want to talk- tell, tell everyone, like, what's what's going on? Yeah. F- s- many of our fans overlap. But for those of you who don't know, I do a show called Every Knee Shall Bow. And our mutual friend, Dave Van Vickle, who was on our most or second most downloaded episode, at least probably most referenced. I don't think anyone wants anyone else to know they listened to the old people sex episode. But Dave was on our, um, oh, what was it called? Perch Like a Bird episode. Um, and uh, we did a follow-up one. He is an amazing person, a couple years behind us at Franciscan. Uh, he has five kids, three of which have pretty significant special needs to the point where him and his wife just drive to doctor's appointments all the time. And his wife said one day she wasn't feeling well. They take her to the doctor. They'd run some tests. The tests come back shaky, and all of a sudden, 24 hours later, she's getting surgery for colon, liver, and lung cancer. <sighs> And um, so me and him have not spoken to each other since, you know, mid-December. Even though we do a weekly show, we've just been, like, doing these, like, he recorded something for five minutes. I recorded a ten-minute thing, um, you know, going back and forth. And I just wanted to, like, how you doing? And so we finally got to a place. He's like, we'll record tonight. And then he's like, I can't record. I just got back from one appointment, and now I have to go out and do all the grocery shopping. So his wife is... God bless her, you know? I mean, she's going stage four, very aggressive cancer. That's what he said. And uh, he said uh, she has the best care in the world right now, but really all we can rely on is prayer at this point forward. And he's like, we'll keep doing everything, but... And I'm like, Dave, Dave, Dave. And... You know, he's had one of the hardest things he's ever said to me was hearing his son, who has cerebral palsy, um, talking to his younger brother. And his younger brother was, like, playing in the yard. And he's like, do you think one day I can – and they were both in bed. And and he was just going to check on his boys. And he's like, do you think one day damn it, uh, I could ever run like you? You know, and as a dad – his heart just obliterated. But he has his wife, who is a rock, and she is amazing, and she does everything. And she's, she's uh, ever since, if anyone knows Amber, you love Amber, and you love Amber more than Dave, and you love Dave more than us. That's the hierarchy of truth. Yeah. And for him to now even think, like, now I have to do this without her, if, you know, so, at some time in the future, so... Andy Levzneski, God bless him, did a GoFundMe, and they mm-hmm. raised $100,000 in 24 hours, $265-plus-thousand-dollars in, like, a week. So a quarter of a million dollars. And I said, how are you doing with that? And he goes, it was nuts having all that money in my checking. You know, like, you go from having $500 in your checking account to having 
I said, so what did you do? And he goes, well, I opened up a Vanguard account and put 200000 in there in a money market account so it could earn some sort of interest. And I was like, gosh, I love you, Dave. Dave is so much, such a better person than us. <laughs> I know. He's on the ball. And so he's like, you know, but I have the rest in my checking so I can start paying for these appointments and these things. And all these people are so supportive. And I said, yeah, you know, do you think that 200000 will be good for you and your family? And he said, we'll go through it in about six to eight months. Ah. And I'm like, buddy. Buddy, because, yeah, people just this is this is the fight against aggressive forms cancer. of cancer. Yeah, this is why people jump on planes and fly to you know all different parts of the world for medical tourism stuff. He's like, you get desperate, you try everything you can, and all the stuff that you try to do costs so much money. So keep keep praying. Yeah, you know what is that like? <sighs> like we talk about me and my wife, we talk about all the time, like. You know, I you know I, I do so much ministry now with adults who they actually trust me. They're divorced and all this stuff, and or they're about to get divorced. So they're just going through bad stuff and in and struggles in their marriage. And then we'll talk about it, and we'll say, you know, we'll just discuss these things, and she'll just be like, "I could never imagine, like, how difficult life would be without you." And I'm like, Shannon, I don't even know where like the kids' socks are. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like you have all, you, everything is on lockdown. Like you got it, and I'm just this this guy who's like, well, I went to work today. <laughs> oh, hello, strangers. <sighs> I don't know. So he's a badass, and he is suffering like a boss, and he is just offering it all up. And so, yeah, like you move into this next stage of like to de- to not desire suffering in the sense of especially like sicknesses and stuff, but to desire it as a way of union with God is true and authentic mysticism. Not to hurt yourself, <laughs> that's false, but to suffer in the name of the Lord. That there's, There are a few things that can transfigure a human soul, and there are a few things that we would hate more. Uh, you know, and, Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Don't don't be sorry. I've just um like I had a tweet where I said the the biggest lie about Christianity that I believe is that it's boring. And I think some people uh thought I was saying that Christianity was boring, but I'm like I, I said it's a lie that I'm tempted to believe sometimes. <laughs> like I know sometimes it's, people don't read. <laughs> but I think this is I think this is why. Because when you're willing to suffer, there's a maturity that can come from that. When, and, you, you know, okay, so, okay, so this is a very dumb analogy, but just go with me for a, for a bit. Um, hey, guys, it's Luke, and I want to take a second to talk to you guys about a white Australian male that I'm actually very happy is doing stuff for the Catholic Church, our buddy Matt Fratt. So as you know, uh, Fratt has this really great podcast, almost like a movement he has going on called Pints with Aquinas. And he's doing this amazing Pints with Aquinas retreat out in North Chuck. Italy from June the 15th to the 26th in Norcia, 
Italy. Um, this sounds amazing. So was, they're going to be undertaking a thorough reading of St. John Gospels, chapter 9 through 17, following St. Thomas's commentary upon the gospel as their guide. You'll have a daily academic schedule, which will, which will, in, uh, which will include lectures, discussion, and discussion-style seminars. The seminars focus on a detailed reading of the great text of the theological tradition, the aim of which is to arrive at a deeper knowledge of truth through a a collaborative work of reasoned dialogue. The lectures provide an opportunity for certain topics that arise out of the reading to be explored in greater depth. One of the highlights of the course is the formal scholastic disputation to be held at the conclusion of the program. I hope I pronounced the word disputation Correctly, but the most amazing part of this is that it's in Norcia, Italy. Um, you're going to be talking about talking about a Aquinas out in Italy. Um, if you've ever done anything like that, I have. If you've been able to go out, like out to Europe and study and hang out there, especially when you're doing it on a spiritual level, there's something very powerful. When I spent my uh, when I spent when I spent some time out in Austria, it changed my life. There's before and and after that. And I think if this, if this interests you, there will be before and after as well for you. Cause this sounds incredible to spend this amount of time out in Italy, studying, uh, studying a Aquinas uh, spots are incredibly unlimited. It costs around $1,300. Now, sorry, uh, 1300 euros. Now, you might go, Luke, that is very expensive. And to that, I would say, shut the hell up. Because if you think about it um, this way, it breaks down to $107 um, per day. To, to be able to spend only that much and have all, all, of, your, all of your food, all, all of your housing, and uh, the tuition for that program taken care of, that is a really, really big deal. And this is a bargain. If I wasn't having a on um, the baby like three weeks later, I honestly would probably be begging Matt to take me to go. And I can promise you that the beer, like liturgies at this thing, everything about this, I am actually I'm looking at all of the pictures now. And I am I'm dying inside. So if you want to go and like register uh for this, I really encourage you to go as f- as fast as you can. Uh, we'll put a link into the show notes. The people who are doing this, this is like, holy crap, you guys. There's some really legit people that are going to be here. Um, you need to, some dude who did, like studied in Oxford. Okay. Um, I'm insanely jealous. Uh, this is in Norcia, Italy. All of the pictures look incredible. Uh, beautiful. It's at like a Benedict. I didn't even got to the fact that it's at like a Benedictine a monastery, I believe. Um, Oh, sorry. It is in it is in cooperation with the Benedictine uh, the monks of Nocha. Um, oh my gosh, this is insane! I we might have to do this for catching foxes. I'm I'm like I'm not even kidding. Um, this is one of the m- most incredible things that I have ever seen. I want to do this right now. Uh, please don't register before I do. Oh my gosh! So, anyways, um, it only costs thirteen hundred euros, hundred and seven euros a day. So, the average cost will be that is a steal for what you're going to experience. This is really, 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 really good. Uh, spots are incredibly, incredibly unlimited. Go check out the link that is that is in the show notes. 
Uh, you guys do not want to miss this. Thank you to Matt Frad, my favorite uh, white Catholic Australian who's doing stuff here in the, in the United States for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Do you remember in college when I really like did not like the band DC Talk at all? And he said, crap on yes. it. Yes. So now the ironic part is that it, my early, like in junior high as a kid growing up and junior high in the first, you know, like year, I'm a year and a half of high school. I loved that band tremendously. And then I, as I developed my taste in music, I went, ew, gross. And like, one, to me, they were everything wrong about I'm Christian music. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I was like, you know, I see what they are and they're fine. Like <laughs> they're a, they're a band for youth group kids. And they have some yeah. fun songs, and they're for children. It's for high school kids. It's for, you know, like, at the, the latest, like, I'm, I'm a 16. It's really for, like, 10 to, like 10, 10 to 12-year-olds. And that's fine. There's nothing, like, there's nothing wrong with that, just because it's not what, like, you like. And it took me a little, I needed to, like, I needed to live a bit of life to be able to have that appreciation for a thing that when I was an immature college kid was like, this is dumb. Right, right. And I think when you are willing to go through really bad things and trying to see where God is or allow God to impact you when those bad things are going on or allow God to help you understand these really bad things. And I don't mean understand as in like understand like why they are happening, but just understand what's going on and and where God is in this. That you can then look at the stuff that people find boring about, you know, the stuff that's unappealing to people about the Christian faith and you're able to kind of go, Oh, that's just stupid. That's just like, yeah, like, like, of course it's dumb, but whatever it's, it's a, you know, old um, grandma saying, I'm so blessed. Hashtag blessed. It's, you know, it's whatever, all the things that sometimes drive me nuts because it feels incredibly shallow. You're able to go, but whatever, you know, like it's okay. Cause there's this bigger thing that's going on here. Or you're able to, you know, have a little bit of empathy, have a little bit of compassion, have a little bit of, un- a little bit of understanding of what's really going on and where things fit in the bigger, in the bigger like picture. It's where I tend to get the most upset over stuff when that's actually distorted. I think when I see someone like Dave and Amber and what they are going through, I, all I can do, I, it just like it we need to we like we need to be with them during this and we need to be reminded that it's going on in their in like their life and it's going on in a thousand other people's lives because when we don't engage with that stuff or when we fail them by paying more attention to other like other things that's Christianity becomes becomes almost unrecognizable. Like it, it gets our own view on Christianity and God is is distorted because we're not dwelling in reality. We're doing anything we can to not to not have to accept the fact that life can be hard as f- that life can be super super difficult and it can destroy you absolutely to your core. And if we don't accept that fact and accept the fact that God is there in that in real ways and wants to and wants like we like it's just going like we're never it's always going to be the superficial religion that doesn't mean anything in in the long run. And 
for me, that's really scary. You know, like, like, like what is the time in my life where I have seen God the clearest and it was the week after my dad died. Now there's a little bit of trauma and there's some shock that I'm sure goes, goes into that. But what took me by surprise during that week was how much I just didn't care about a lot of stuff and how clearly I saw God in what was up until that point in time, the most profound period of doubt I had ever experienced. Yeah. And there's a thousand different things that I did wrong, you know, but it, it just, it, uh, there's something that happens when, like, when the Van Vickles become people that you actually care about and you, you know, put money towards, it stops being this thing and starts becoming a thing that you're actually invested in and you care about and you're like, therefore. So my hope is that when that money um, runs out in, 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 in eight months, we do it again and we raise up um, just as much. Yeah, because it's just this one time. Like it, it has to be this sort of. Uh, I'm willing to suffer for e- like e- for each other, and that's that's hard. Yeah, I, one of the repeated things about Saint Paul that I didn't notice was how it all revolved around suffering. And Jesus has this line in Acts nine where he says, "For I will show him how much." He must suffer for the sake of my name. Like, that's like how Christ preps people for Paul's conversion. He's like, I'm going to have to show him how much he's going to suffer for the sake of my name. And then to have someone like Paul who, um, you know, I mean, he was beaten. It was all this stuff. And then in Romans 5, he's like, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, right? We When we suffer with him, we're going to be fellow heirs with Christ. I consider all the sufferings of my present time as nothing compared to the glory that awaits. And it's funny because his sufferings is what, um, so Paul was like alienated by, uh, and, and abandoned by a bunch of his converts, like these men and women that he helped convert. A lot of them like sided with other people that were against Paul in the early church and it devastated Paul. And he talks about this. Um, and they, their whole thing is like, Paul, you're like a Johnny come lately. You didn't follow Christ for three years. You didn't do any of that stuff. You came after his resurrection. Like, you're not a super apostle. And so he's, like, so pissed off that they would say that. So he's like, oh, oh, so you don't think I'm a superlative apostle? Well, here is my here is my deeds that you can take to the bank. Like, here's my, uh, not deeds, what would you call it? Like, my credentials. There we go. You want my apostolic credentials? Here they are. Uh, and so he goes through it and he says, uh, I have suffered for Christ for far, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I've been received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I've been shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been adrift at sea. On frequent journeys I've been in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brethren, a a term he coined, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and in cold and exposure. And apart from all things, there's the daily pressure upon me of my anxiety for all the churches, right? And so he goes through all this stuff and he's like, yeah, let's talk about credentials. Look at all my sufferings. And I think you look at Catholic influencers today and we have a conception of the exact opposite as our status. And he's trying to show you, like, of course, I'm not 
the guy who walked with Christ for three years, the guy who was on the shore when he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But like, there's so many things that I think we can point to to say, look, I've arrived, I've earned it. And Paul points to, and his whole life has been marked by suffering. It, he ends the chapter with, one time I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped the governor is going to murder me. <laughs> like, crap, yeah, yeah, good old, good old Damascus. You know, and that's where he gives that awesome line, though, that changes everything. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And it's like, I don't, can't it also be perfect in richness? <laughs> like, can't you make me rich and that, that gives you glory? What are you, Matthew Kelly? <laughs> According to that article that we'll get to in a second. Oh, yeah. But that's the suffering that we don't want to run to. And I don't know how, as an influencer, right, like, which is a disgusting title, but that's what we end up becoming in this culture. The medium is shaping the message, and that's my fear, is that it runs from the, the suffering component. Not that's my fear. That's my greatest desire, is that I run from suffering and I don't have it. But to me, that's St. Paul's credentials. All right, here's the deal. You ain't got no staff. No time and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do, and you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good, like, like really, really good. That's why CatholicSocial.media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. CatholicSocial.media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. And you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with a discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. I sometimes... When I think of that effect that I have to suffer, I think it means that that's all I'm going to be experiencing. Yeah. And I think that's a lie. There, uh, there's, we've very much, because of our Americanness, have an all-or-nothing mentality towards stuff. Yeah. And so it's either I'm listening to all Catholic stuff or I'm suffering and this is all that's going on, or I'm listening to like secular stuff things like the Nerdist podcast and I'm sitting and I'm doing stuff that I want and that's all that's going on as opposed to some sort of like both can be happening. I can, you know, and my point, I'm not saying like, Hey, go ahead and sin. And you're like, you know, Oh, and you are, and, and you are okay with God. But my point being that, um, just cause we're sitting doesn't mean that we have to stay there. And just because even if we are, in the midst of our sin, doesn't mean that God doesn't want to be involved in our in our, our in our own lives and try to work with that. 
and you can suffer and enjoy life as well. You can suffer and have... Now, it, it can be hard. It can be really hard to do that, and, and that's a whole other talk. But, but my point is, like, you can suffer, be in a period of profound pain, and find relief in things like the Nerdist podcast. And find relief in God. Like, like it's, I don't think it has to be this sort of all-or-nothing thing where it's, where it's this... Um, you know, I, so that, does that mean that we stop the podcast? Do we stop, do we stop doing this then? Perhaps, but I don't think, but I think that's always our like um, go-to thing is it has to be this choice between doing the podcast or being a real Christian. And I don't think that's the choice that like God is offering us. It might be, it, and, but I don't think that's like the automatic go-to thing. Yeah, neither do I. Well, I know. I'm just saying. For people, no, do you? I no, mean, no, I mean, what, do you think that that's wrong? Like, do you think that like, like, do you think that's not a problem? Is that just in my head? I think that it is. Just because something brings us pleasure, that doesn't mean, oh well, then we must despise it in the Christian life. And I think you're right. Like, there are those that have that tendency, and there is there is a nobility about it, right? There's a nobility about realizing we're not on a cruise ship; we're on a warship. And on a cruise ship, you have all sorts of indulgences, and you make account for it by saying, well, look, I earned it. I didn't steal it. It's fine. I'm fine. But if you're on a warship and you have an indulgence, you're doing something shady, right? Like, there's no, no, we've got to bat down the hatches, and, you know, we're in the fight for our life. And I think a lot of people um, compress that analogy too far in the Christian life to the point where, they end up going Manichaean, where they despise the things of this world, even though the things of this world are good. The the Ignatian impulse is you despise it absolutely, anything of this world, even friendships, if they hinder you or you hinder them from bringing you to heaven, from 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 walking with Christ. And that's the thing that I think, like, enjoying a podcast or developing the podcast and all this stuff, great. Um, I would think of it in terms of like consuming media that like stupid movies that I love and like the Marvel movies, right? Like I love those things. Is it sinful to watch? Uh, maybe Miss Mar- Captain Marvel because it's so stupid. But is are those things? Hey, let me see what I did there. Um, but are those things bad? Like no. If they're not a positive evil, then. And you're not, you know, whatever. I, I think there are beautiful, good things. And that's what I think G.K. Chesterton, like why he matters in the Catholic Church. Because I think he has this common sense thing that's like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, Puritan. Pull it back a little bit and realize the dignity of the good things that the Lord has made. Right, pull mm-hmm. it back a little bit. It's sure, like, yeah. but I got to do everything for Christ. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, in in that same talk, or and maybe it was a different talk, he talks about, Oh, no, it was a different talk that Francis Chan gave. He talked about how God answers prayer has become a thing for him that is almost as powerful as Scripture. And he'll say things like, you know, one day um, my wife and I really needed to go on a vacation, but I'm, not, I'm never going to spend money to, to indulge myself. Weird check in the mail. And I go, really? Why? She goes, it's a cashier's check. A cashier's check has been sent to us. And for $2,000, I'm like, Really? 
Man, that's a lot of money, $2,000. We don't know who it came from. I go, there's no letter with it. There's no explanation. She goes, yeah, there's a sticky note. And uh, it's taped to it. And it just says, Francis, spend this on your family. And I go, honey, you know, I'm in my office just go, you know, beside myself. I go, honey, you don't even know what I prayed a few days ago. I go, honey, I, I just prayed. I go, God, there's no answer to this one. Because there was no physical answer. Like, no, no, if you give me money, I'm going to spend it on someone else. But no, God said, no, I'm going to give you a check, and you'll feel guilty if you don't spend it on your family, <laughs> because that's what this note will say. And, and, and I just go, honey, I, why does he even care about that? Just the, the, the little things, the, 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 the silly things. Jesus ate at lavish meals. You know, he spent the time with people. But he also did all the other things. He also put the death of deeds of the flesh. Like, he lived that life. But at the same time, that's why things like Exodus 90 are good. Because it just puts that Nintendo reset button and says, okay, okay, you're overindulging here. You're overindulging here. I mean, who ever thought a hot shower would be an indulgence? But after I started doing Exodus 90, I realized I love hot showers, but I don't need them all the time. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. No, no. I think I, sometimes we point. want a specific rule, like... Like, X always equals this, and if we go a little too high or a little too low, we've lost it. What is it called? The Matt Frad talks about this, the fallacy of the beard or something like that, where there's this gradual movement, like, I don't have a beard, I just have stubble. And then at one point, you cross over to having a beard, but no one really knows where that point is. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. growing something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, that, there's, that, that exists in a lot of areas in our life. And I think it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, live a simple life. Should I be a minimalist? How much of a minimalist should I, you know, and I, I think Does we that get mean that I, that I now love straight lines? <laughs> Do I only use Helvetica? <laughs> it's, that's a font. It's, um, so that's a it's long a way of saying I'm really trying to commit to being willing to suffer through my commitments. Uh, what are you doing, my friend? I'm going up to the prison, the Ferguson unit, maximum security prison. And we are going to do our Colby prison retreat. This is the fourth one, I think, that we've done at this particular unit. So it's going to be all day Thursday. So from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it's about an hour, hour and 10 minutes from my house. So, yeah, it's a a big event. So Jerry, my homeboy Jerry that I talk about all the time, he comes in today. Big fan uh, of Jerry. The guy that got me into into the meeting or into the ministry. He comes in and he says, Hey, brother, how are you? And I'm like, good, Jerry, how you doing? And he goes, oh, the devil's trying to end this one. And I was like, what? What's going on? He said, so I go over there. Now, Jerry is a certified chaplain's volunteer, and he gets to have a slash-proof jacket, not a bulletproof, but a slash-proof vest. And then he wears one of those big see-through visors that covers his whole face, and he goes back on administrative segregation. I've talked about him before. He goes with the murderers, the hardcore guys. And I told you before that we're also getting G4s, which we've never had before. They're like the roughest crowd, so to speak. And we've never had anything like that before. So he pops in to make sure, you know, everything's going good, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking with the sub warden or the major or whatever. And all of a sudden, like, they're like, no, things have not been going well today. There was a riot on P block. 
and we had to gas them. And right now my men are returning from like J block and they were gassing. And all these guys come in and they're they're in full riot gear. Oh, and their man. skin is blotchy and red from contact with the irritant. And they're coming in and they are so mad and they barely even take off their their masks and an alarm goes off and someone goes J block or something like that and they have to put everything back on and rush out there's another riot he's like the devil does not want this to happen and i'm like holy cow wow okay okay here we go we got a whole new crowd whole new yeah it's it's gonna be wild oh i'm so i love that you're doing that I am scared that I'm doing it too, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, if they try to stab you, just hopefully it's done somewhere in the stomach and they don't really twist it or anything. Yeah, hopefully it's done somewhere in the stomach where it clearly will do no damage to nope. any major organs because it has to go through so many layers. <laughs> Sorry, uh, do you ever uh, I'm notice how there are times when you... Uh, if your jeans are a little bit tight, you put your you put your phone in there, and then it activates Siri, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> I noticed how I started putting my phone in my back pocket because it doesn't necessarily fit in the old front pocket." <laughs> Have I told you the most awkward phone moment I've I've ever had in my life? Can I just share that with you? Please. So I'm about six months into my time at the Archdiocese, and we're everything's going well. I'm with the people, a group of people that I really like, and everything's great. And we're about to do adoration, and you know, I'm starting. It's I'm at the point in time where I am not so new that I don't I don't like know anyone, but I'm not a hundred percent uncomfortable. I'm starting to feel comfortable with them. So I go and I pull out my phone and like just to, because I need to check the time or something, and everyone's about to walk in. We're just about to start, and I hit something, and it starts playing the podcast that I was listening to on the way there, which is WTF with Mark with Mark Marin. <laughs> and if you know that show, he uses the F word a lot during certain times. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't at one of those points in time because it would it was in this small chapel where everything and that's very old, so it just echoes like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been so bad but oh it wasn't. my goodness yeah. oh my goodness that is awesome god is here god is god here. is moving god is alive god is here uh all right so pray for me man tomorrow absolutely as i try to read these articles from prison <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna pray for you while you wake up you know but right good at, for you. at some point during the day I'll remember. Some point during the day. If yeah, you can text the WhatsApp group, I would really appreciate it. That way I'll have a notification on my phone reminding me. I, I can't because <laughs> I can't have any cellular information devices. It's even called though. doing it in the morning. <laughs> I don't want to wake anyone up. <laughs> Listen, everyone has their phone on. Do not disturb. Can we all disagree that unless you're an idiot at night, your phone's on. Do not disturb. Yes. Yes. Can we also just agree that for 90% of our days, our phones should just be in the vibrate position? I don't even, I haven't had it on vibrate in forever. It's just, you haven't had it on vibrate? No, unless, like, listen, so here's, I have it on uh, because if it's an emergency mode and people call you twice, like, if it's a real emergency, people call you twice and it will ring the second time. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, this is real. So, no, I haven't felt a phone's, a phone's vibration. I haven't felt the. Never mind. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, as I go out, go throughout the day, I you, you never hear an audible bing from my phone saying I got a text, an email, a phone call. 
Because I always have that little switch on vibrate mode. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I don't even have it on um, vibrate mode. I just, ha- you just have it on do not disturb? Yeah. I don't, he- don't want to hear anything. I don't want to feel anything. Wow. Your world is not my world. I have my notifications turned down so much, but wow, I can't do that. That scares me. I mean, there Look, might be a few me. things here and there that have like, you know. Well, it's because there's nothing. I, I don't need it to tell me anything. I don't need it to remind. I have a calendar that I track. I like, I, I know okay, what's going on okay. during the day for the most part. You know, uh, some things escape me today. I may have been f- five minutes late to one of our um, conference calls, whatever. No biggie. By the way, how exciting was that? Very. Um. Two great calls this week. A lot of good stuff coming down the coming down the pipeline. Who knows? We'll probably find a way to screw it up. But yep. Um, as hey, no, 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 no. Listen, I just want to say I agree with you. I get it. I'm I'm on board with your idea. My wife has her phone in perpetually ring mode. This is how you know she's a stay at home wife because if I had or not a ba- or a baby boomer, yeah. if I had my phone on <laughs> on on making audible noises, I everyone who worked around me would murder me, right? And my wife is like, ah, oh, the kids think it's great. Hey, mommy, you got a new text message. And they come bring me my phone. And I'm like, like whenever we sit down to watch a movie, I'm like, Shannon, for the love of God, turn off your ring. I'm turning it off. You know what my favorite moment of The Simpsons, one of my all-time favorite moments is when they're, it's an earlier thing, and they have Troy McClure, who's voiced by the late, great Phil Hartman. And he's doing a telethon <sighs> for, P- for PBS. And the yeah. phone rings, and he just goes, what the hell? <laughs> Like like that, <laughs> it's really quick, and then they pan the Marge who is calling them. Um, oh, that's funny. That's, All right, man. Hey, listen, go? I have to go to bed. I have to go. I can't. No, I can't I, do you another... don't let me finish my story. Oh, okay, finish your story. The point is, that's how I react whenever I see a, a millennial ha- like have a phone that makes a noise when they get a text. <laughs> Jeez, sorry. I'll, I'll edit out my, my screen. No, no point now. Ugh. All right, stopping recording and th- bye, everyone. Thank you. We have been we have been catching. We, I am John Doe. This is jo- this is John Doe too. Have a great week. patreoncom CF. patreoncom CF. And th- thank you to our sponsors, uh, the Matt Frad Italy thing, and uh, Catholic of Social Media Hey, can I? I gotta read you this. Yeah, my daughter just lost a tooth, so she put her tooth in this little pillow bag thing that my wife, Lord knows, it's too too complicated. Can't put a pillow tooth under a pillow anymore. We have this little bag. Dear Tooth Fairy, what is your name? How old are you? Are you the Tooth Fairy of me and my brothers and sisters? Oh, my name is Katiri. I can't wait for my next tooth. Love, Katiri. P.S. I am the luckiest person to have a tooth fairy like you. <laughs> Thanks for the money. I want Katiri to write me notes. <laughs> and she will. Dear oh, Flat Lukey. Oh, that's Luki. so funny. <laughs> and then my wife wrote back, uh, Dear Katiri, thank you for your note. I am so lucky to be your family's tooth fairy. You, your sister, and your brother take such great care of your teeth. No, I, uh, yeah, she just said brother, not brother. Sorry, Thomas. Keep up the brushing. <laughs> I am off to visit a few more children until your next tooth gets loose. Love, Layla. And I was like, Layla? And she just wrote, here's Layla's response. And yes, I Googled fairy names. 
And I was like, that's not a good thing to Google. <laughs> Next time that she does it, I, I like, I want her to do it as if the Tooth Fairy is a South American um, liberation fighter or something like that. <laughs> like in the Simpsons. <laughs> oh, hail General Crumb. <laughs> that is awesome. That is uh, awesome. All right, what man. do you mean, sweet Tooth Fairy? This is war. This is pure war. I have no, you don't know nothing what I've seen. but darkness. You don't hey. know the shit I've seen. The this f- is hell. These are bones. Do you understand me, child? Bones. <laughs> <laughs> Let me write the next one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why Luke is not a godfather to any of my children. <laughs> Do you understand the blood, the pulling from doorknobs and things, (laughs) and all the horrors I've seen? The horrors. 